through uh, a couple weeks and look at a couple of the uh, different psalms um, under the theme of, of work and what does the psalms say about work and what does that have to do with us as we all um, work in the nature of life, um, have jobs, have bosses, fellow employees, in our perspective of such. Um, ultimately, we all do things, uh, especially at work, with varying degrees of motivation. Would you agree? Sometimes you're really inspired to do work. Sometimes uh, you're not inspired at all. <laughs> Sometimes you do it begrudgingly. Sometimes it's, it's, it's pure obligation. Um, how many of you have ever had a job that you hated? Okay. Um, how many of you have ever, ever had a job that you, you really, really loved? Okay, that's good. Um, I remember one of my first jobs, and again, this is, this is not like a career-oriented job, but <laughs> when I was a teenager, a young teenager, um, I remember going to the beach with my family, and um, I was talking with my dad, and my dad owned a business. He owned a steel business. Uh, he dealt with, you ever see going down the highway and the back of the semi, these, these tight coiled um, steel, and it's the stuff you, you stamp out, um, auto parts and stuff like that. So he had a steel business up in Greenville where, where I grew up, and he said, well, well, what would you think about working uh, with me in the warehouse over the summer? And young teenage Danny um, thought, awesome, I can buy some awesome BB guns. With the work, you know, with the money, because he told me you know, I could pay you this much, and that's where my mind immediately went. Was um, I, I, it's just the nature of being a guy. I don't know, the ladies, the first job that you got, you're like, oh, I'm gonna go buy a weapon. But I was thinking I could buy some awesome BB guns. And last week I talked a little bit about airsoft guns. This is like this is the precursor. So I remember sitting there thinking, all right, if I work, if I work four or five hours on this day, and this day, and this day, and I knew which BB guns that I wanted from Walmart. Um, you know the ones with the air canisters? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, and I, and I calculated in my mind how much, how much money I would make. And so it inspired me. You know, I would go and I would work. And it was, it was hard work. Um, I would come home tired and exhausted. But it inspired me, even though it was an inspiration of something rather simple. Um, when it comes to work, we, we can be inspired. We can, we can, we can uh, dread going to work. Um, I've had jobs before where I, I dreaded going to work, but in, in an ideal world, I think we would probably all say that we, we would hope that we could go to work in an inspired way. Is that a fair statement? Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if, in, if, if, if reality said that you could go to work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and just kind of walk into it and say, yes, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm ready, this is what I'm about, this is what I want to do. But unfortunately, that isn't completely reality. And so enter the Psalms here. I want us to look at uh, Psalm chapter 8. So if you would please turn there. Psalm chapter 8. Psalm, the book of Psalms is almost right in the middle of your Bible. I learned this as a kid, but pretty much if you try to open it up right in the middle, chances are you're going to be in the Psalms. So if, we, if you can, go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms. And what we're going to see here is that the psalmist who, in this particular psalm, is uh, King David, um, gives us a song to help shape the perspective of work for the believer. Psalm chapter 8. says this, I'm reading this from the ESV. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength, because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I want to read that one more time for us. Try to let it sink in a little bit. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and infants. You have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which, have, which you have set in place, what is a man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Before we jump into this, it's important for us to understand that there are different literature genres in Scripture. And so therefore, Scripture has to be read in different contexts. We, we just finished up Ephesians. And Ephesians was a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of believers. And it was a letter of doctrine and theology and instruction. This is not. All right? The book of Psalms is, uh, is a song book. It's, 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 it's literally a book of, of songs, different types of songs written for different types of circumstances and situations. And almost exclusively, not completely, but almost throughout the whole book, every, every chapter is its own little synopsis, its own little story. So as you read through this long book, the Psalms, you see that it's not necessarily all tied together as Ephesians is. Ephesians builds on itself and has a, has a conclusion, has, has specific points. So we can look at this psalm, Psalm chapter 8, and see it as one, as one piece. All right, This is a song that was written to proclaim something specific, the majesty of God that we see throughout creation. So as a song, as poetry, which is what it is, we need to understand that when we're looking at things here, we're seeing different imagery, we're different, seeing uh, different symbols that uh, portray what the author is intending for us to see. So, uh, Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 starts off with this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, and out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. So David the psalmist here is beginning by saying, O Lord, our Lord, you are, you are great, you are mighty. And he's saying this in, in a fully comprehensive way, by saying, you're, how you're mad, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, in all of the created things, in all the things that we can see on this globe. And you have set your glory above the heavens. So not only on the earth that we see, but in the heavens above. How majestic is your name, O Lord, our Lord, in, in all the earth and in the heavens above. Verse 2, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to steal the enemy and the avenger. There's a commentator, H.C. Leopold, who says this. This is a great, a great quote uh, as we look at uh, verse 2. Out of the mouths of babes and infants. So secure is the honor of the name of the Lord that in the full consciousness of this great glory he has let the defense of his honor be committed to babes. When I was reading this text, I, I, got, I was a little baffled as I got to verse 2. What, is this, what does this mean in the context of the whole, uh, of, of all of chapter 8? Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. What David is saying here is that the majesty of our God is, is so great that God ultimately does not need to defend himself. That God ultimately, he can, and he does in a lot of different ways, but it is enough for the simplest of simple of creation to simply proclaim who God is in the mouths of infants and babes. So secure is the honor of the name of the Lord that in the full consciousness of his great glory he has let the defense of his honor be committed to, the, to that of babes. Um, in Romans chapter 1, Paul, the Apostle Paul says that um, God's creation uh, it proclaims who he is to all of mankind. 
that it, it is the it is the the invisible qualities of God that are made known that that proclaim His His glory and His majesty. If you would please flip to uh, Psalm nineteen. Psalm 19 is a similar psalm in that it proclaims um, the glory of God through his creation. Uh, can I get somebody to read Psalm 19, 1 through 11? <coughs> Garrett, Psalm 19, 1 through 11. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of this world. In the heavens he has pitched his tent to the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing throughout his course. He rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are bright, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Thank you. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. They pour out the speech, which is his glory. Um, it's interesting having a baby. It's fun, and it's, it's cute. And our, our little baby is nine months old, and she does not speak. At best, she says, dad, 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 dad. Right, which is like she said, "Daddy." <laughs> um, but you know, it's 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 fun to have this baby who, though she doesn't speak, she makes a lot of noise. You know, I mean, she's she's vocal. Would you say, Lauren? And um, in the middle of a restaurant or walking down the aisle at Walmart, she'll be just like, "Wah!" You know, and it's not it's not like a, a painful thing, but I mean, she's just singing it out. Um, and so I, I immediately think of Evie reading this. This is out of the mouths of babes and infants. My glory and majesty is made known. Out of the mouths of babes and infants. And, and, and really, when you read the different translations and you go back to um, the original languages, um, which I have some tools to help with, out of the mouths of babes and infants, infants, the difference between babes and infants would be um, like a nursing baby and then a baby who, who's not nursing. So it's talking about the youngest of the young, the simplest of the simple. It really, not in, in an insulting way, but the, the foolish of the foolish in comparison to those of the world that have knowledge, that, that even in the noises of a babe can the glory and the majesty uh, uh, that is seen throughout all the earth and that is seen above the heavens of the earth can be made known. It can silence my enemies. If you would, flip to the New Testament. Matthew, chapter 21, verse 16. Matthew 21. Actually, we're going to start with 12. Matthew 21, verse 12. This is a story of Jesus in the uh, temple in Jerusalem when he tosses the tables. Jesus walks into the temple, and he sees that uh, people have uh, really blasphemed the, the house of God. They made the place of uh, ripping people off who are attempting to uh, live an obedient life according to the laws of the Old Testament. They're cheating them out of money and they're, it's become a den of robbers. We'll see it here. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and he drove out all who sold and brought in into the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, 
they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. In leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. And the chapter ends. Jesus quotes this psalm in the New Testament. The, the enemies, um, Psalm 8, 2, says, Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. And Jesus himself in the New Testament quotes this psalm by saying, Listen, these, these are children who are, who are proclaiming truth of who I am. And children in that day um, were not esteemed. <laughs> uh, like now, in, in our Western culture, children are, you know, coddled and pampered, and, you know, you don't really have to grow up until you're out of college. But, I mean, but back in the day, in, in biblical times, um, that just wasn't, wasn't the case. And so the enemy here, the chief priests and the scribes, and they're hearing children speak truth to the true Son of God, you know, Hosanna, your name is great, in the highest, the people are coming in, and, and, and Jesus is doing what, what, he, what he does, and proclaiming truth, and healing people, and the children are acknowledging him for it, and the enemy, the chief priests, are saying indignantly, can you not hear this? Ugh, scoffing at them. Aren't you going to do anything about this? And Jesus quotes Psalm chapter 8, from the mouths of babes and children, will my glory be proclaimed? Will my truth be proclaimed? And you know what? educated ones, you know what, most powerful ones in this culture, in this society, you know what, the ones speaking to you, try, um, chief priests and scribes who, who hold the power of life and death over really anybody here, that's enough. It's enough. The, the words of these children are enough. Because me and my father are, are the greatest. We are above all. We, we do have, 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 have glory and honor to us, and, and it's enough. You can say what you want, but even with the, the words and, and, and the coos of babies is enough for me. Because my glory doesn't need to be justified to you. It is there, it always will be, and it will silence my enemies. So this psalm of praise acknowledges God as being majestic over the earth, above the earth, and even in the earth over all enemies. Moving on to verse 3. David says this, Psalm 8, verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Once again, verse 3. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, rhetorical question, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would care for him. Have you ever, I mean, I don't want to get too, have you ever, we didn't do this a whole lot when we were camping this weekend, but sat under the stars and gazed and thought, I'm small. Have you ever, I, I think most people have probably done that. Um, but truly, to I remember, I remember being in, I forget if it was high school or college, but a friend of mine lived in Pelzer. <laughs> Those of you who know where Pelzer is, way out there. Um, and he lived on a, on a lake, in a little lake out there. And um, we, were, we were spending the night there, and a big piece of property. And I remember we, we were laying on the ground, looking up at the sky, and just, and just gazing, and had one of these kind of moments where the stars were shining. They were out and they were bright, and, and you, you know, you're thinking like that star is is a sun, you know. It's not just a speck, but it's it's likely bigger than, than our sun and and the, and the galaxies and the universe, and and we're so small. And there's six billion people here, and it's it's creation, it's creation that is that is declaring. It it is it is seeing the the fullness and the depth. And the bigness that actually amplifies your smallness, you know? And you look at this psalm, and it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the work that you have done, God, in creation. And he says this, The moon and the stars which you have set in place. One theologian draws this 
simple observation that he, he says, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place. Well, the sun, the sun is more predominant than the moon and the stars, right? The sun gives light. The sun enlightens the earth. And, and the sun is so bright that, in fact, you really can't see the stars in the daytime. But when, when the earth turns and the sun goes down, um, suddenly you see things differently. And in a sense, you see more without the sun in the context of, of the galaxies. You know? And this is, this is just a, a simple observation this guy's making. And when, you, when the sun is removed and you see the depth and the distance of the stars and the galaxy... And again, I, I think we've probably all had those experiences where it's been when you're laying there at the night, you look at the stars, you're like, man, I am so small. And the psalmist here asks the same question that maybe we have asked. Who am I in all of this? Who, who am I? You know, I, I'm one of, of billions of people on this one little earth, in, in, in this one little galaxy, in this, in this one little universe of, of all of space, of all of time, of all of creation, of all of the glory and the grandeur of, of Creator God, who is above all and who is in all and is seen in all of creation, who, who am I? Who, who am I in, in, in the vapor of time, in the smallness of my lifespan, who am I that you would have concern for me, O oh God? Because you are, you are Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name above the earth? And, 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 the, and the cooing of a baby is enough to defend your very honor, God Almighty Creator. But who am I who has made all this that, that you are mindful of me and the Son of Man that you would care for me? It's overwhelming, isn't it? When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? The answer to that question is given as we move into verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've given him dominion over your creation. And you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and ox, oxen, also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. We see in verse 5, it says, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. This phrase here, the heavenly beings... In uh, Hebrew, the word there is Elohim. Have you heard that before? Which is the name of God. Um, so in some of the older translations, it actually would read, yet in verse 5, yet you have made him a little lower than the angels. And in some older translations, it also says, yet you have made him a little lower than God, capital G. In the ESV here we see, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. When you first read that, my mind goes, heavenly beings, what do you think of? Angels. angels. We are not lower than the angels. Humans are created at the top of creation. We are not God, but we are, we, we are the pinnacle of creation. And I don't say that in, a, in an arrogant way. Um, flip to Genesis chapter 1, very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, Verse 26. I'll give you just a second to get there. If you don't have Genesis chapter 1, um, then this could sound a little like, oh, well, you know, God loves us, and let's move on. Genesis chapter 1 really sets the stage, obviously, for the whole Bible because it gives a creation story, but it also um, gives definition and dignity to part of creation, which we call man and woman. <coughs> Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26 says this. Then God said, Let us, speaking of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them, mankind, and let them have dominion 
over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. God created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply in all the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the field, every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps in the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. So when it says in verse 6, Psalm 8, verse 6, that you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, in verse 5, that you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor, this is saying that mankind is different than all other creation because there is no other part of creation that God both made in his image and then gave him authority and rule and dominion to subdue the rest of his creation. And we've already established that the, the creation we see acknowledges and proclaims God, that we see it in the heavens, we see it in the earths, that even something as simple as a baby's cry can be enough that says, I am God and I don't need to justify myself more. And we saw in Romans chapter 1 that the visible qualities of God uh, expresses who God is to all of creation. There's a, a man by the name of um, Norsher that said this. Um, Unbiased and uncorrupted minds will always recognize God without difficulty from his creation. Unbiased and uncorrupted minds, this is really speaking in the context of, it's saying that, even, that the simplest of simple, that children, unbiased and uncorrupted minds will recognize God and his glory without difficulty simply from his creation, which we see here in the Psalms, we see in uh, Matthew chapter 21, we see in Romans chapter 1, we see it, we see it, we see it. So in verse 5, when it says that you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, that man is made lower than God, but above the, uh, but above the angels. Made is, man is made in the image of God, yet is not God. Man is made in the image of God, yet has been assigned to rule, to have dominion, and to subdue the very thing that proclaims God's glory. So we see introduced here dignity of man. That man is not just another animal. That man is not just another part of creation. That God is saying, listen, I am, I am making you separate and different than all other creation. I am sending, we see in the New Testament that, G, that Jesus Christ is sent to save man. Not the horses. Not the trees. Not the cats. Not the dogs. But man was made in the image of God. And Jesus Christ came in the image of man, to save mankind. He's made a little bit lower than God, yet he is above the angels, and he is crowned with glory and honor. No other part of creation is crowned with glory and honor. None. None other than mankind. Verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. So God has given mankind responsibility, purpose, and dignity while he's on this earth. If you remove the creation story of Genesis chapter 1, if you remove the, the, the truths and the principles that we see written in this song by David um, from life, then what we, begin to what we begin to see are things that we see in the world now, which is we are, um, we've evolved from animals, um, that there isn't a dignity of man, which means we can, we can make laws and rules that have to do with euthanasia or abortion. Um, that's why we fought uh, the wars of slavery throughout the course of mankind. Um, when you begin to take away these foundational truths that we see in Scripture, dignity of man is, is removed. Um, responsibility of man is removed. 
and purpose of man is removed. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. And verse 9 wraps up as a bookend the psalm in the same way that it started. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, which is the same way that this psalm started. Um, the song of praise that we see in, in Psalm chapter 8 here begins by saying that God is mighty, he is above all, he is in all, and he is over all. And it says that part of his majesty, part of his might, part of his glory, part of his, uh, his nature that is to inspire awe from his, his creation is that he has given us dignity, purpose, and responsibility. That he has given us, as part of his creation, um, a command to have dominion over this earth while we're here. And what does that look like? How does that play out? It's work. It's work. That God, that God worked in the days of creation. And that God assigned work to Adam and Eve while they were in the garden. And that this command to have dominion and to subdue all of creation plays itself out in the work of men and women on this earth. Men and women who are made in the image of God and given a purpose and given a responsibility while we're on this earth. As a silly example, think of a, uh, of a, of a, um, a marketing agency, an, an, an ad firm, a business that is legitimate um, and it's designed to, to market and proclaim the qualities and the character traits of God. Okay, play along with me in your head. All right, just this is just an example. What if there was a marketing agency and its sole purpose was to try to get the word out, of the majesty and the glory of God? All right, how do you want to do that? Um, billboards, I don't know. Uh, ads on TV, um, T-shirts, uh, promotions, whatever marketing minds are in here. How do we get that word out? Banners. On the internet, you know, do we buy space on Google? Go, move on, move on, move on. If there is an entire agency that is dedicated to the sole purpose to marketing and proclaiming the majesty and the glory of our great God, and you individually were made the CEO of it, okay? You following with me? You are now the CEO. As CEO, your job is not to redefine this company. Your job is not to say, you know what, I think we should take things in a different direction. Or your job is not to say, you know what, I think we could actually uh, be more efficient if we were marketing uh, uh, automobiles. No. Your job as a CEO is to do the work of this company. So you have dominion over this company, but it's not dominion to, to change its purpose. Your dominion over the company is to enhance the purpose, right? To subdue it and have dominion over it. And if you're going to do that, playing along with the analogy. If you're going to do that, what do you need? You need people who are skilled at marketing, right? Right? If you're going to market, you need people who are skilled at marketing. But that's not all. Um, if you're a successful company and you, this is a, a huge task in front of you, um, you need people in your finance department, right? I mean, I'm not a marketer and I'm also not an accountant. But for those of you that are, um, you probably hate it when marketers try to be the accountants, right? And people who are the uh, you know handling the money are the ones who are trying to do the job of the of the of the of the, uh, of the designers of marketing. Um, but you also need HR, right? You need people to work with personnel. You need people to do the hiring and, and firing. Um, and if you have this uh, this job that's being done, you have the uh, marketplace, and you have a, a building and a, and a shop and the workroom and and the printers and all that kind of stuff. Whatever whatever it is, you also you need somebody who's doing the simple jobs, maybe the, the janitorial services. If you, don't even do, if you don't do the little stuff, then the big stuff can't happen. I mean, look at this church building. This building, I think, is 60, 60 to 80,000 square feet, um, and it is used every day of the week, um, often from 6 o'clock in the morning, and the, and the crew is working here till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning just to flip this building 
You know, I mean, we, we do all this stuff on Sundays, but you can see that this is a classroom, and the back half of the room is a classroom, and, and there's going to be class. You know, there's a Christian school that meets here, and, and people have to clean this, and those bathrooms are cleaned every day, a couple of times a day, you know, and 60,000 square feet of flooring is, is, is vacuumed, and it just has to happen. Now, those aren't, aren't, aren't people who are ordained pastors who are doing that, but they're, they're doing the work to accomplish the work of the church, and in the same way, they're working, you know? They have, they have dignity. They're accomplishing the purposes that, that God has, has designed for them. And when, 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 we, when we work, we have to see that we are not simply just doing something because you need money for food. That, that when we're working on this earth, we're not simply doing something because it's just kind of what you do when you become an adult. And that in the same way, when you're working, it's not simply something you're doing because, you know what, I want to I wanna make more money eventually one day, and so I have to start here at this entry-level job. And when you're working, it's not something that's saying, you know what, one day I really envision myself having a whole lot of money. <laughs> you know, one day I envision myself being a, a true CEO of some company somewhere or, or a doctor who's specialized in X, Y, or Z or somebody who's a, a computer programmer and, and, and I have my own business and I make my own rules. That, that, that when we work, we are having dominion over the earth. When, when, when we work... We're subduing creation. That when we work, you know, it, this isn't just talking about farming here. That when, when we, as humans, that are made in the image of God and are commanded to have, have dominion and, and to subdue all of creation, and, to, and, and that all of creation is, is a trumpet, is, is a marketing agency that is proclaiming God to all of creation, that when we participate in that, we are worshiping. That anything um, <clears throat> we can get lost in this. We can ask ourselves we can say things like, but how is making a sandwich at a restaurant, you know, worship? I don't have dominion over anything. <laughs> on the bottom of the totem pole, or I wish I were making more. I'm barely making ends meet, just doing what I'm doing. Or maybe I'm not employed, and I wish I were doing more. Maybe you're in a job that, that you, you don't enjoy, and you, you do hate it, and you do feel like you're just grinding away, and you don't feel purpose in what you're doing. That when we do work, which is what part of what we, were, we are designed to do, as human beings, that there is a greater purpose, and that greater purpose is is running this earth. And this earth is a trumpet for God's glory. When things are done, when things are done um, right, in the sense of biblically, it proclaims God's glory. When things are done well, it proclaims God's glory. I mean, think about it. Um, You can glorify God by having finances that are in order. You know? I'm not saying that you have to be rich and that you have to have a huge uh, retirement nest egg already accrued that you, you know, that you have, you know, all the things that you want. But if your finances are in order, it can bring, it can bring glory to God. If, if you're in a job where your boss is a non-believer and you do work with excellence accomplishing the tasks that have been given to you, you bring glory to God. When, when um, you have a, a house and you take care of the yard and it looks beautiful, people can see that creation, that beauty, and it can bring glory to God. When you, when you build something, using the, the, or, or design something, um, using... The, the mind that God has given you, the ability to reason and the, and the ability to, to use your skills, the ability to use your education, you bring glory to God. I, there was a guy who once traveled to um, the Taj Mahal, and um, he said, even though this is a pagan building, um, and the people who are here and who built it are not um, worshiping God, 
It is God-given skill and God-given ability that allowed God's creation to make something that is, in fact, beautiful. You know, mankind is the only part of God's creation that can think about the fact that they are part of God's creation. You know what I mean? That man is the only part of God's creation that has been given the ability to reason, that says, I am here for something greater. That, that, that there's, there's, there's a broader purpose here, and that was given, not, not by happenstance, but that was given to show us, to turn us to the stars and to see the darkness of the expanse of the universe and to see the twinkling of the stars to say, wow, our God is big. And at the same time, by, 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 by growing in our ability to see the bigness of God, that that actually amplifies our ability to see the reality of how small we are. And in the context of all of that, to see that in spite of all that, we have been given responsibility to proclaim him by the way we live our lives in the everyday, by the way that we live on this earth, by the way that, that we work, by the way that we have dominion. You know, in our American capitalistic Western mindset, we begin to, uh, to build identity, I believe, on how well we work and how successful we are. So therefore, if you're not successful at your job or if you happen to get let go or, like, or get fired, you feel what? You feel like a failure, right? And what I've seen before in my life and the different jobs that I've held is I'll seek to do my job really well. And a lot of times in, in, a, in, a, in a workforce or a, in a job structure, you, you do your job and then you pass it on to something else, right? Like let's say you're in sales and so you're working to sell something. But if the warehouse fails to deliver the product that you <coughs> promised, right, it makes you look bad, right? You know, my dad was in sales for a long time and he would, I remember him talking about one time how he worked so hard um, to get this sale um, and it went through and the customer was happy, but the, the product never got delivered. And my, my dad put the paperwork through, but in the warehouse, they dropped the ball, they lost the paperwork, the delivery never went out, and it comes all the way back to him. My dad's like, ah, this makes me look bad, I'm a failure, even though I did my job right. But when you look at, at God's economy, where God is not calling us, even though this command has been given to us, that God is not calling us to, um, to do every job um, perfectly. Like, I'm not, my, my job is not to be the senior pastor of East Cooper Baptist Church. You know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be buster. And if I, if I assign myself other jobs and seek to have dominion over buster's job, I'm really being pretty arrogant and not doing what God has called me to do and do my best to have dominion over the responsibilities that I've been given and to do this with, with the most excellence that I can procure. So that's my job. And, and by doing that, I, I, I bring glory to God and I draw attention to his greatness and his majesty. And so I think that there should be encouragement here to be found in, in your job, wherever it is, whatever you're doing, that there is a bigger purpose, a bigger plan, a bigger God that must be our foundation first. That when you're driving to work, whether you like your job or not, that we have to first go to the foundation of our belief system and, and say that God is huge and I am not, yet I still have dignity and I have been given responsibility and I have been given purpose on this earth. And I can go to my little job or I can go to my big job or I can go to my job that is actually going well for me or I can go to my job that is not going well for me. And I can work with excellence, bringing glory to God simply by the way that I do the everyday. There's hope there. There's, there, there's glory there. Um, to wrap this up, I want to look at Jesus. <laughs> um, flip to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. says this, now 
It was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. Quote, this is from Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, at this moment, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Verse 10, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he was sanctified, for he who sanctifies and those who he has sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. When David the psalmist wrote Psalm 8, the Messiah had not yet come. And so we see at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1 that Adam was commanded and given dominion over all of creation. Um, we see in Psalm chapter 8, um, in verse 5, that you have made him a little lower than the heavens, being, um, and being a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. We, we know that Adam, even though he was given dominion, Adam fell, the fall. He sinned, um, and he brought on all of creation, on you and me, a curse. And we see, as the writer in Hebrews shows us in, in chapter 2, that when in the coming of Christ, we begin to see a new Adam who is coming to reclaim the lost crown that Adam, Adam lost. And it's the new man, it's the, it's the new Adam that is coming in the form of Jesus Christ that is reclaiming the dominion of this fallen earth. Because we see here um, in, in Hebrews chapter 2 that um, in uh, the second half of verse 8, now I'm putting everything in subjection to him, meaning Christ, that he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. We are living in a fallen world. We have bosses who are not believers. There are people at work who are jerks. There are people who are at work who may be unethical. Um, we're, we're living around people who are sinful. We are sinful. We still have problems and struggles on this earth. And, and as hard as we try to do our work with excellence, we still fall. And as, and as hard as we try to do our work glorifying to God, sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we, we spat out a whole bunch of curse words at that guy who really just crossed us in the wrong way and really maybe did stab us in the back. And we blow it and like, oh, our, our testimony is... Is, is shot. But what we see here that, that the psalmist, King David, may not have fully understood is that there is a coming fulfillment in Jesus Christ that we have our hope put in, that there will be a total subjection of all of creation under the, under the foot of the new Adam, which is Jesus Christ, that he will one day draw in all sin and all creation and all all fallenness and all curse and it will be judged and it will be put away and he with us as fellow brothers as fellow sons and daughters of God the Father Almighty will rule with him with the crown of, of glory and honor and that promise and that hope and that future that future grace that is coming to us is promised to no one other than man that is redeemed through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross it is not promised to the animals, it is not promised to the trees, it is not promised to the mountains. It is also not promised to anybody who has not fallen on their, on their face and their knees before Jesus Christ and said that you are the new Adam. You are the one who is the coming one to, to fulfill all the promises that God has made as a result of the fall of Adam. So that we have a hope that it isn't just about, hey, go out and do your job for the word of God. That, that is motivation. We need to see the honor and the glory and, and the dignity and the responsibility and the purpose that God has put out on us. But that is not all. 
That is a huge part of it, but it's not all. That there is a coming fulfillment. There is a coming promise. There is a future fulfillment and glorification of all of creation and all believers that will be, will be seen in, in the end when Jesus Christ comes a second time to redeem all of the earth. So there's a glory in work, there's a glory in what we do, and there's a glory in how we do it because we are made in the image of God. So be encouraged today. Be encouraged as you go into work. And if you're struggling with your job, I mean, there have been times in the jobs that I've had over the years where I have literally been driving to work and have just sighed this, this bemoaning, like, uh, like a, a verbal, uh, <laughs> as I pull into the parking lot of work, you know? And sometimes we just get caught in stuff we just don't like. Be encouraged. Look and see, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens at the mouth of babes and infants. You have established strength over your foes and the enemy and the avengers. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, I thank you for being bigger than us. Father, we praise you for being over all of the earth and, and for, for, for your name being proclaimed in the heavens. Father, we thank you that, that we do not have to write some book that is a defense of Christianity. Father, that, that, that your creation is enough. It's enough. Father, that you don't have to provide anything more than what you've already provided. That you are enough all by yourself. Father, thank you for making us men and women women in your image. Father, that we are not just another animal, that we are not just another part of creation, but that your work was brought to to, to completion on the sixth day when you made men men and women. And Father, that you have given us responsibility. That you, you've not just put sprinkled us in creation and we're not just part of the gears, but you've given us rule and responsibility and dignity to rule this earth which trumpets your glory. And Father, may we do that well. May we do that well tomorrow on Monday as we go into work. We thank you and we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who will bring all things to fulfillment. And it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen.